You're listening to Cryptalk. This is a podcast on decentralizing the world. Our mission is to make the future more accessible to you. We talk a lot about cryptocurrency and blockchain, but this is really a podcast on designing a more evenly distributed future. I want to keep this podcast free and accessible to everyone, so I've chosen to run it by donation. It costs about $500 a year to create. Any donations you'd be willing to give are greatly appreciated. You can donate to this podcast at www.cryptalkpodcast.com. A link will be provided in the show details. If you have any questions or recommendations for future topics, you can visit our website or email us at cryptalk.podcast at gmail.com. We love to hear from our listeners, so feel free to send us a message. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome to Cryptalk. Thank you, Spencer, for joining me again. And uh, today... We're going to be talking about cryptocurrency, obviously. Um, I want to start by touching on something that I was talking about in the last episode about the community and the way that the different cryptocurrency companies kind of play together and how the industry is made up. And then we will maybe move into the topic of how to buy cryptocurrency, how to hold cryptocurrency and the whole space of wallets and exchanges and what all that means, because that's a big topic. So. First of all, I just want to yeah, talk about the community aspect again and how the industry is made up. Because I actually had a conversation with my friend Garrett the other day who brought up something similar um, and wanted to know about like how these different companies are working together and how the competitive landscape looks. And he had some really good questions. And so um, to bring back what we were discussing earlier, just this idea of like a multidisciplinary space and something that actually isn't as competitive as most other industries. And so I want to start by saying, I think some people believe that, uh, you know, Bitcoin or Ethereum is out there to be like the one coin or the one cryptocurrency that will dominate the whole space. And there, I, there's no one coin to like rule the whole space. Like that's, that's a myth. Um, so actually, there's two reasons for that. The first reason is that you have a lot of different cryptocurrencies that serve as different functions. And I've been talking about this before. So you have a whole bunch of different niches to fill and different cryptocurrencies fill different niches. And so you're obviously going to have um, this diverse space with different types of companies. And so if you think of the stock market, no, nobody's going to say like, oh, there's only going to be there's only going to be one stock that everyone wants to buy. It's like, no, there's like there's thousands like that's how the stock market works. It's all these different companies that fill different roles. And again, to the idea that cryptocurrency is so much more than just currency, you have all these blockchain companies that are doing different things. And you're, you're kind of like buying stocks in these different companies. And so anyway, you're going to have a very diversified space with a lot of different projects and companies that fill it. So that's the first reason. The second reason is that um, is this whole idea of scaling. And so I, I like to use the credit card example here. So if you think, so first of all, if you think of cryptocurrency, the whole idea behind it is it's trying to service the entire world. So what do we have like 7 billion people on this planet or something crazy like that? Oh yeah. <laughs> we have a lot of people <laughs> and it's trying to service all of those people and create a platform for them to transact on, to hold money, to have accounts and do all these, these things that take up a lot of computing power. And there is no single network that can possibly, in, at least right now, there's no single network that can possibly handle all those transactions. So it's actually really beneficial to have a couple different systems 
that distribute the amount of transactions across a couple different places because it's it's just not a feasible solution to have one party running everything it becomes super inefficient and and we're actually seeing that happen like bitcoin and ethereum are the two leading cryptocurrencies right now and they kind of have this efficiency problem so we actually need other cryptocurrencies to come and like take chunks of the pie so that it helps it be more efficient and you can also think of it like again to, to the credit card idea um, like people have visa mastercard uh, american express like there are different credit cards for maybe a similar reason like it would be it's kind of ridiculous to have one credit card ma manage everybody's transactions across an entire globe it's beneficial to have it spread out between different players and Another interesting thought, just while we're on this tangent, and, and then we can open this up to more discussion, is um, there's also this idea in the in, outside of the crypto universe, like the standard way that companies compete, you have this geographical dependence. So a lot of companies are dominant based on geographical location. So like you have Amazon, which dominates North America, you have Alibaba, which dominates Asia, you have, um, I can't remember the name of the other one, but there's one for Central America as well. And they're kind of geographically dependent. Cryptocurrency is not like that because it's global and it's not tied to any geographical location. And so you actually have the separation of people more, it, I think it's, well, my theory is it's more, it's going to be more of a values thing. Like people separate based on values and so you can pick which company or project you align with that maybe is closest to your values because certain projects and certain leadership structures will have different values and essentially the the, the point that i'm trying to make is you're going to have a diversified space with a lot of different competitors that aren't necessarily competing to eliminate the other person they're just competing to be extremely efficient and have more adoption but at the same time knowing that you know, one company or one cryptocurrency can't manage all the transactions that are that need to happen. So therefore, it's actually beneficial to have multiple players and to like share information, um, share technology and build together like a lot of this space is building together. So that was something that I just wanted to share and start with because it came up in a conversation I had the other day. And I think it's I think it's super important because I think the notion that, you know, there's only going to be one cryptocurrency in five years is totally false. And uh, I, I just want to like, maybe rectify that misnomer. Yeah, well, it's kind of, it kind of forms an entire economy, it seems like it's like a digital economy, that's totally separate from from the government, right? Like decentralized. Mm. Um, and, and with that in mind, like, think about what you could what you could accomplish, being able to use remote, basically remote servers is what is what uh, miners seem like to me. At this stage, I don't know if that's totally correct, but um, it's a it's like a whole new segment of of economics, I guess. Um, so, like like our regular economy, the one that's existed for you know in kind of the state that it's in for I guess hundreds of years, depending on depending on uh, your perspective. There's going to be new ones coming up. There's going to be new companies, new businesses, new new people coming into it, new skill sets. Um, and yeah, of course, based on that, why would it ever go to one? Right? Yeah. I'm maybe one day we're like really far in the future. That could be a thing that we see, but I, I think we're so far out that it's not even worth talking about. Mm -hmm. And you, you brought up economics and, 
yeah, I think it's also worth noting that um, the way that cryptocurrency is done and built uh, and the way that it, it has no geographical dependency breaks a lot of the traditional economic thinking, I, I believe. Like, like it's, it's, it's playing with ideas like inflation and, um, yeah, like, like world governance and, and just the idea that, you know, this is a separated, it's like a separate entity from the government in general, like almost all of economic models are based on this idea of supply and demand with geographical determinants. And also the idea of like taxation and government um, regulatory uh, influence. And so yeah. It's, it's interesting to see, too, how this is going to actually shift a lot of those models and those paradigms to something totally new. Yeah, no, it, it definitely is. It's super interesting. Um, it's it's kind of crazy to think about actually the, the potential that exists there um, and, and basically just capitalizing on all those inefficiencies of the regular system. You, you get rid of those and, and suddenly you've created these avenues for people to just really do what they want to do. Um, and, and in that sense, you got to think that people are going to be a lot more effective doing what they want to do. Um, if you're working on a cryptocurrency, the example we used last time was, I think we used traffic or roads or something like that. Um, if that's something that you care about and, and you're able to divert your efforts in that way, and, and the system is set up, that community is set up so that you're able to quickly learn, be accepted and contribute, like that that's amazing that that solves a lot of problems that we have currently mm. yeah the traffic one is a, is a good one so that that whole conversation stemmed from this idea of like community organization and actually an, an idea that's even a little bit more profound than that which we haven't touched on yet is this idea of self-organizing systems so i forget who wrote this there's this whole paper on like the organization of systems so i come from a systems design background in mechanical engineering Spencer, uh, you also understand systems. The, um, there is this idea behind systems design that you can play with the inputs and outputs and you can do, actually there are lots of different levels where you can interact with the system. And especially for complex systems, like there are millions of different parameters and like ways that you can change systems and influence them to do kind of what you want to do. At the base layer though, the, the most effective system is something that's self-organizing so where all of the constituents constituents actually have the freedom to kind of do whatever they want and it becomes this organic thing like you see this a lot in nature like things um, get to equilibrium naturally and you have systems that reorganize and reconfigure to optimize for the current situation that they're in so what does this have to do with cryptocurrency well if you think of cryptocurrency as like these organizational systems for humans humans can go and organize themselves accordingly under these cryptocurrency groups which are just like clusters of technology and ideas that people have come together for something like yeah let's say it's for for building like road infrastructure like we need a group here that is decentralized and democ democratically governed and we want people to organize around this like central idea of road infrastructure now this isn't a perfect example because this isn't currently happening but it's an example that like this could happen and mm -hmm. you know we're already seeing that in lots of other little ways like there's groups for the gaming industry and there are groups for like 
betting on gaming and then there's groups for the actual gamers and then there's groups in like the music industry that are forming and it's like you get people who are drawn to their specific interests and their niche and their values too of like what what do i really want to contribute to and not only that what do i what do i value at the forefront of this space and so it's interesting to me too from coming from a systems design background to see how cryptocurrency is this opportunity to create self-organizing systems for our human species in a way that we haven't done before and and again um a big thing in that in this new model is the fact that it's no longer restricted by geographical access so i can join anything anywhere on the planet just through the internet and it's not limited to my geographical position so I don't I'm not only limited to the things in Canada and maybe the only the things in like Western Canada, because that's where I live right now. I actually have access to, to everything, which is that's also super cool. Like the accessibility has gone. It's, it's now almost infinite. And we didn't used to have that. Like it definitely, you know, 50 years ago, you were way more limited about what you could participate in based on your geographical location. And so now we've blown that gate wide open. And that's partly what creates this self-organizing way of living is like now I can actually jump on whatever project I want and and anyone can actually there's no restrictions in terms of who can participate all you need to do is be involved in cryptocurrency and you need to like get on board with the projects or you need to hold the crypto or you need to like stake it like there's a, it's a whole bunch of things but um the point is the barrier to entry is is low or none almost mm-hmm one interesting thing that I'm thinking about here, and maybe this is uh maybe this throws a little wrench in the system that we're gonna have to deal with a bit. Um, what about those fields that are vitally important? Um, you know, sanitation, um, sewage. Mm. I'm thinking of all these like, <laughs> see, I'm going with this. I'm thinking of all these like, uh, I guess like engineering related kind of things, but. I, yeah. I assume there'd be some in every industry. What about these things that people don't necessarily <laughs> gravitate towards? Okay, so this is a really interesting topic. And uh, this might turn out to be a more philosophical episode. And maybe we'll have to get to exchanges and stuff later. Because um, I, I like talking about this. So someone asked me a similar thing. And, and I think when you start to hammer at this idea, it, maybe what it, uh, part of what's wrapped in this is like taxation. And so... So first, before we maybe dive into this conversation, I'm no tax expert and the taxation of cryptocurrencies is still evolving and we don't actually really know how we're going to deal with all of this. Um, so you're talking about like those projects that nobody really wants to get involved in and, may, and usually they're larger scale projects like sanitation is a good one. Road infrastructure is a good one. Um, and like there are others that I could name, like like let's say like social services or um, even healthcare might be a, a good one as well. It's not that no one wants to get involved in healthcare, but it's like, it's a big, like you have to mm -hmm. tackle it at a big scale. You can't just be like, you can't just do it in, in a small scale. Yeah. Um, garbage removal or like, mm -hmm. yeah, you said waste systems. Like that was an example one of my friends used is, is what about, yeah, what about garbage removal in uh, like a city? Like if you're just self-organizing, like everyone's gonna go away from garbage removal. And um I guess there, there might be a couple ways to answer this question, but, but the current way that we do it is that we have, you know, a central government that manages all of this and we have a tax system that allows for 
funding these projects that are necessary and essential to maintain city infrastructure or infrastructure at scale. And so, so that's, that's how we currently do it. And um, I guess maybe one question is like, okay, what happens in the crypto universe? Like when you have all these decentralized things and maybe you like have some way of eliminating the need for this centralized government altogether. I don't know. And, and then, and then you have self-organizing people in, amongst different projects. Like how do you, how do you come up with taxes and how do you uh, fund and get people organized in these projects that maybe people don't care about? Like, how do you stop from the world just becoming individualized? And it's just like me, me, me. Mm -hmm. um, so first part of the answer is that crypto is already, is already kind of doing that. Like, it's it's like I said I've said this before. Um, it's it's the joint effort of individualism and collectivism. So there's already an understanding baked into this, based on the way that the software is built and governed, that like it's better to work in groups than it is as sole individuals. So that's the first answer I'll give. The second answer I'll give is that if you're able to think a little bit outside of the box here for a second and take and and maybe maybe like not thinking like the old paradigm of like taxation and centralized government, like how, how else do we, how else do we run group things? And like the answer that always comes to my mind is crowdfunding. Mm. We've, we've already solved this problem actually before cryptocurrency even started maybe. And it's become wildly popular. Like you hear about people crowdfunding all the time. Like I I'm always seeing posts, about people crowdfunding new business ideas, people crowdfunding community projects, and people crowdfunding for um, like humanitarian reasons. Like I have a friend who lost their father to cancer and who can't afford to like sustain or provide for her family or something. Like let's crowdfund for them. That's that's a social program that we're crowdfunding for. We're like that's that's what we had the government doing, and now we're crowdfunding for it. So we're already yeah. doing that. And, you know, some people might think this is crazy, but you could apply that to things like waste management. You could say, like, we need a team of people who are going to run the waste management of our city. And how are we going to do it? Well, we're going to crowdfund it. And maybe that won't work. Maybe you still need to come up with some taxation model. But there are complications to that because, you know, cryptocurrency is so private and it's not as easy to tax as maybe some people think. Um, but that doesn't to me, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Like, you can crowdfund and you can still rally people around this idea that like you, you need waste management. Someone has to do it. And so you're going to get someone or a group of people to fill that role eventually, because mm -hmm. you're not just going to let your city sit in filth. And then you're going to be able to use these democratized systems to like vote and manage the way that it's run. And then you're also going to be able to use the technology that we currently have of like crowdfunding and shared wealth, which cryptocurrency is is building right now to like distribute funds accordingly to say like, okay, we need to, we need to pump funds into this waste management program that nobody's running right now so that someone will take part in it. Like, again, um, I, I keep referring back to things we've already talked about, but it's, it's so funny, like all of this relates to each other, like, like mining, mining and validating. Those are incentive programs to help secure something at a collective level. Fundamentally, mm -hmm. that's how cryptocurrency works. You have a bunch of miners. How do you how do you get them to do things? Well, you you incentivize their work on this group project. And you could have the same thing. You could have and you wouldn't call them validators or miners, but maybe they're waste managers and you have 
them incentivized that like when they chip in to this centrally or sorry, decentrally managed system of, of waste management, you're paying them some form of cryptocurrency or digital income to say like, okay, this person is doing what we've, we've organized as a collective for them to do. So we're going to reward them. Um, I don't know. Does that answer your question yeah. at all? It's like, it's a, to me, it's a big box. Actually. It is. Like, there's a lot there. Well, it's, and, and like how fair of a question is it really too, because how these things kind of work, if you think about it from an entrepreneurship angle is it's going to be what it is until there's a better option. Mm. And crypto, I guess, isn't, uh, it's not a, it's not an answer to every question. It's a system by which you can achieve new answers that haven't been thought of before. Um, so, so really, I guess what you're waiting for to answer that question is you're waiting for an entrepreneur who's well-versed in crypto, who can make those industries work better and, and they're incentivized by, well, the same thing they'd be incentivized by normally they're incentivized by, you know, creating a currency or being part of a currency, um, that is successful in, in the digital sphere. So. I guess, yeah, it is a strange question, or maybe just the way I phrased it. Um, it makes a lot more sense to say, to kind of, to, to kind of talk about crypto as a, an avenue to achieve those solutions, not, uh, mm. not an answer in itself. Yeah, I think that's a good comment. I think one thing that's always challenging with new technology is that, or, and especially something that's so maybe revolutionary assuming that it is, um, is that you really have to do a lot of forecasting and, and, and know that forecasting is not perfect because like you, you can't think in these old models anymore. So like you ask, you ask me or you ask someone like, okay, what about waste management in a city? How are you going to deal with that in crypto? And, and the tendency for maybe most people is to try and think like using the taxation and government systems that we currently have, with crypto, what's the answer? Well, innovation doesn't work like that, or not always. Like sometimes it does. Some some innovation just improves on current systems, mm -hmm. but some innovation creates a new system altogether. And so, and those are the those are particularly hard situations to forecast for, because you actually kind of have to scrap what you already know. And that sounds really scary. It's like, whoa, you have to like scrap government and taxes. It's like, well, not necessarily, but to, to think about this in the new paradigm of, of cryptocurrency and decentralized government, yeah, you actually have to start from a new thinking standpoint instead of beliefs. Like you mm -hmm. can't, that is if you're, if you're trying to come up with a solution that works with crypto. Like if you're trying to just reinvent the old system, that's fine, but then those are, those are different conversations. If you're trying to think in terms of, cryptocurrency and blockchain and how this could be done using this new tech, then you actually do need to come with new beliefs and you do need to think like, okay, forget taxation and government. How could we do this another way that's completely different? Mm -hmm. And to what you said, yeah, it doesn't have the solutions to everything. That's, that's innovation. It's like, we don't know for sure that this will work. We don't know that this will for sure be better. We believe that. And we believe that there can be ways to make this work. And that if after maybe a couple of years of trial, um, it will be this incredible system that far surpasses what we already have. But that, but that's the other thing too, is like, you have to be willing to try it and you have to be willing to, you have to be willing for it to not be optimized on day one. I think that's another thing that people maybe oh, yeah. 
get caught up on is it's like, if you really want to innovate and you want to try something new, you have to know that day one, it's not going to be the best solution. Like you're going to have all these freaking problems. Like you're going to have so many things going wrong. Like if you, that, that's, I, I've built software before. Oh my God, man. It's <laughs> like so there are so many bugs. Like people, oh, I think everyone should spend one day in a software company and like a new budding software company and just see what it's like to be the developers behind your application because it's, it's comical. Like, yeah, you're there. It's like, people are like poking holes through, <laughs> through this thing and there's water flooding in and everywhere. And you're just like <laughs> using all your hands to try and cover up all the little spots without people knowing you're like, ah, don't, I hope they don't find out that our software doesn't really work yet. Like that's how you build software. And, yeah. um, it's this idea of prototyping and like innovating as you go. Mm -hmm. And so I, yeah, it's so it's, um, yeah. Anyway, that's just, that's just a whole idea in itself. It's like, if you really want to innovate, you have to be willing to optimize in progression and not have everything perfect at the start. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we lost my camera there, but I guess the audio is still going to be kicking around. Yes. Your um, audio is still good. So kind of on that thought too, I think there's a parallel here between it's interesting that you brought up software again, because I think it's pretty relevant. You have, um, basically like we've taken these ideas from software development. Mm -hmm. Um, so iterating like the the lean development process in a lot of ways mm -hmm. um, is kind of based on software development, um, mm -hmm. like the book, The Lean Startup. That's the classic, the, the classic one that everyone reads. Um, that's like, that's basically taking principles of software. So you, you set an idea forth and you let user feedback come back to you so that you can iterate. Um, we've actually taken that and, and that's applied to all kinds of businesses now. You can apply that to a business that doesn't have anything to do with software. Yes, absolutely. It's just a it's just a better way of thinking. It's a it's a smarter, more lean way of thinking where you don't have to necessarily risk as much. You don't have to make as many assumptions and the assumptions that you do make, you can mm. test early on. In the same way that we've taken that that kind of software development um, method and applied that to other things. You could apply these these crypto development methods and apply them to other things. I think on a larger scale, mm -hmm. um, and that, and that seems to be, they seem to be very intertwined, at least in my mind. Um, you know, this idea that you you create a community and that community is there because someone wanted it to be there. Uh, you're not just taking a stab at a random idea. Maybe you are. <laughs> Maybe you are, and those will exist too. Um, but the point is, you know, you've got this. It's this different way of thinking, and, and I'm happy to hear that the crypto communities kind of embrace this, this iterative approach. And I think it's just inherently natural for them because they're they're software developers, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, I think it is very intertwined, and like it obviously, like this is a software community. I mean, it's kind of a new chapter of software, but it's it's still software, and so all the same principles were just copied over and applied. Mm -hmm. And if you've worked in software, you understand what, what lean startup is and you know what like lean design is. And I think to summarize it, maybe for anyone who, who's unfamiliar is it's this, it's, it's a, it's rapid iteration and it's prototyping. And it's the idea that the best designs come through constantly rethinking and reprocessing ideas 
rather than just having one ideal and working as hard as you can for months, maybe years up to this ideal only to find out that maybe the assumption you made at the start was wrong. It's like, instead, break that up into a million different points and test every single one of those along the way. Now, that might sound like more work because it's like, wow, now you have to test that every single time. But from what people are finding, and there's been a lot of study on this, and there's a reason that software companies use this methodology is it's actually less work because mm-hmm. every time you take you take the extra, I don't know, a couple minutes to test that initial thing. Like if you break it down to really small components and then you test each one, you're losing time because you're spending the time to test it. But you're gaining so much more because you verified or you validated that little chunk and you'll never have to go, well, that's not true. But you'll 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 do so much less time reworking that in the long run, you're actually saving time because your rework goes down to hopefully none and you're, you just add a little bit of testing time. So it's it's a way of optimizing design and innovation that makes something faster and more maneuverable. And, and there's so many good reasons to it. And um, while we're on this topic, I, I just wanna do like a quick plug uh, for the book called The Mom Test by Rob Fitzpatrick. It's one of the best books I've ever read. It's super short. It's like a hundred pages. You can read it in maybe an hour. I, I don't I don't know, maybe two hours or something. Like it's not it's not a complicated book. It's really easy. And the whole idea is it it describes how you test things, how you user test things. So if you're ever building something that you're going to have people use. Like great examples is podcast. This is a this is the thing that we're building. And um it's not software but it's a product. It's like something that people could use to maybe better their lives or learn something or who knows what, like there's, I mean, the reason that we're, I'm building this or we're building this is to hope, hopefully have people learn things. And so we want to validate that. And so what I'm trying to do in the process of building this is I'm going out to people and saying, Hey, listen to my podcast. Tell me what you think on, on episode one, or like, even like, even maybe before I put up the episode, like just discussing some of the ideas and getting feedback on it. Anyway, great book, The Mom Test. Um, highly recommend it for anyone who's in development or someone who's just building something that they think is really great and want to share with people. Um, also, I just want to say this one quote too that I, has stuck with me for a long time and it's, it's specific to software but could be applied again to anything. And it's like, if you are not at least slightly embarrassed about the thing that you're releasing. So like in software, you release mm. products. Mm-hmm. If you're not even, if you're not slightly embarrassed about the thing that you're releasing, you've released it too late. Mm. The whole idea there is you should be a little bit embarrassed about what you're putting out because that means you're going to be sensitive to the feedback. And that means that you're still in that phase of initial innovation where there could be changes that happen. And if you're putting it out and you're super confident and you're not embarrassed about it, you've spent way too much time yeah. on it. And you're, the feedback you're going to get it could be absolutely devastating. Like it, yeah. could, it, could, it might not. You might have nailed it. But the chances of that happening are actually pretty low. <laughs> like it's mm-hmm. like yeah, yeah, they are. You're, you're, the chances of you getting it perfect the first time are almost zero. There's like yeah. there's no one who does that. And so, yeah, this this idea that like you should be embarrassed about the first product that you, or the first version that you put out of every version you put out, you should always be a little embarrassed to be like, oh, this is like, I don't know, <laughs> I don't really know if it's gonna work. And uh, we need more of that in the world today. I, Big I, time. 
I really, I really believe that. I really, I'm sad that I think we have a culture of perfectionism right now. And there's this idea that like things have to be perfect. Like look at social media and how they just, people just destroy anyone who gets something wrong nowadays or like just tear down ideas. And uh, it makes me really sad because it discourages people from doing that, from taking the first step, from releasing something that they think that they're a little bit vulnerable about and that they're a little bit unsure about. Yeah. Like you, you shouldn't have to be a hundred percent certain about everything that you say and do like that's, that kills innovation. And so yeah. I, anyway, to tie this back into what we were talking about, um, cryptocurrency is like, if, if, if the, if the North American West has kind of evolved into this perfectionist mindset, Cryptocurrency is also is like the antithesis of uh, rapid innovation and mistake making. <laughs> like it's like the space is totally okay with that. The, the people who are building these things are doing are doing are it lean, and they are embarrassed about things that they're putting out, which is amazing. It's like yes, this is so refreshing that yeah. we have this again because it's been it's been a while maybe. And that might be the biggest thing going for it. If you're talking about the future of crypto and, and what it will become, mm -hmm. I just, this is a bit of an anecdote maybe, but in my experience, applying this methodology to things instead of the, it's gotta be perfect. Don't put it out unless it's perfect. Mm -hmm. It is like night and day difference in what you're able to accomplish in a short, medium or long amount of time. Um, it's very important, like you're saying too put ideas out there. Um, I've been doing a lot of photography lately. So to kind of tie that in, um, I post on these Facebook pages, because I want feedback. I'll do an edit or something, I'll, I'll post something and something that I liked or that enjoy I enjoyed doing. Um, and the different levels of feedback you get from people is really interesting. Some people will pick apart every little detail in the picture. Um, and, and with that feedback, you're kind of like, well, yeah, dude, I know. Like I wasn't, I wasn't going to spend 10 hours editing this. Like I wanted to spend 10 minutes on it. And then other people will, they'll give you good feedback. They'll be like, they ignore those little things that, that are just perfectionist points. Um, and they kind of focus on, on more overall things, you know, so stuff you'd be thinking about while you're taking the picture as opposed to editing it. Um, and that's a lot more helpful. That's a lot more helpful. That kind of feedback and, and the way to get that is really by putting yourself out there. Um, so it's a powerful tool, definitely for an entire community or a, a business or anything to have. And I expect that to I expect that to take it places definitely, as opposed to doing it the other way where it's we build it and they will come. That's I don't think that's the way it works anymore. We'll build it and it'll come. Yeah. Are you are you slightly embarrassed when you post one of your photos on the you know Facebook what? I've never posted I have never posted any photo ever that I'm like, this is perfect. Like there's no there's no way. There's always something that you just mm. can't get right. And there was a period of time that I I would spend like hours editing one photo. Uh, maybe it was something that I took that I really liked and I wanted it to be as perfect as it could be. But um, at the end of the day, you just, you can't get it done like that. Um, you're, you're never going to have a better edit by spending four hours on it compared to if you just spend 10 minutes and change the things that, that you think ought to be changed. 
So every single picture I've ever taken or posted, I guarantee I could sit down and like point out three or four things that I just I didn't like at the time. <laughs> I don't like now. But that's that's part of it. The idea isn't just to get rid of those. The idea is to to get rid of those things I don't like in a in an operational way that's feasible, right? Like, okay, what do I change so that I don't have to fix that every time instead of just fixing it every time and then that becomes part of my system, fixing it every time. I I hope that's not a little too abstract. I might be getting a little off. I think it's making sense. Yeah, no, I, I think that's making sense. I'm wondering <laughs> how to tie it back to cryptocurrency or if we just yeah. go with this th thread because it's interesting. Well, well I, I think to tie it back into crypto, um, it's it's really what it is. If you think of these these crypto units as as a digital business, something that you know uses computers to accomplish a task, um, putting out new features, stuff like that, just put them out there, test it, let the community provide feedback and, and iterate that software. And that's a really effective way to build a business. And because there's no infrastructure necessarily that's that's tied to that business, man, it seems really powerful. Yeah, another thought that I'm just having too, and that's a cool analogy with your photos, and part of me wants to dive into that a little bit more, but maybe just really quickly to jam on what you were saying. I also, I think it's also this like showcase of humility which is really good to see. Like when you put your stuff out there and allow feedback at an early stage, it's kind of this act of humility to say like, okay, mm. I my vision is not gonna be perfect and I'm actually better off getting all of you involved than just doing this alone. And you can extract that out to like a group of people running a company. Like it doesn't actually just have to be the individual, it could be a project team. But even in the case of a project team, it's also Im impressive to see them like a group come out with a product or a vision, say like we're gathering feedback and say, yeah, like we are not, we're not the perfect, we don't have the perfect solution. Like we could, it, it's very presumptive yeah. to be like, yeah, our vision is actually totally gonna work and there's no way we need anyone's feedback. <laughs> Whereas if you're like, no, I, we want feedback, it, it's, it's humble, it's humbling. And um, also I think just a better way to do it because then you're, you're getting this crowdsourced information that's now adding to what you're building and so um, so it sounds like you're applying that in your photography and then you're making adjustments at a foundational level so that you're not going and reworking every time like to, to the idea of um yeah like this lean yeah. building model like mm -hmm. you're making adjustments at a, at a at a first principles level like a, or a foundational level so that you're not, you're doing less rework and you're just actually doing micro corrections as you do your testing and then your process becomes more optimized and it gets more fluid and, and you mm -hmm. can feel better about what you're putting up. Well, yeah. And, and you have a process <laughs> that's, that's a big part too. Cause you know, if you, you spend three hours on every photo and your head, it's perfect. You, you don't have a process because you put it out there. Any feedback you get, you're like, no, nah, I thought about that already. I, I did that on purpose and you're not receptive to that. Right. It's, you think you've done it best and you're just not gonna improve like that hmm. so yeah i don't know it's it's kind of crazy how all these things can tie into tie into each other and that's one of the fascinating things for me learning about crypto so far has been it's just okay this really is uh it's a philosophy it's like a 
It's like a business philosophy intertwined with kind of this newer generation of technology that we're just really figuring out how to apply. Like how long, how long have we had, um, I guess, computers that can function on a, on a meaningful level connected by a network to really accomplish it, a large scale task? I don't know, like, I'm no expert on that, maybe, maybe 20, 30 years. And it's been exponentially growing in the last probably 10. Um, you know, I look at the, the graphics card industry. So like GPUs, what people use to mine, basically. And you can't even find these things anymore. People are buying them so fast. Um, mm. The prices are just shooting up. The aftermarket is insane. And it's almost all because of crypto which is really, really interesting. And I'm sure there's a lot of opinions on that, whether that's a good or a bad thing, but this is a real world industry that crypto is, is basically, um, what's the word? I'm blanking on the word disrupting. It's mm. disrupting a real industry already uh, that affects people that maybe don't know anything about crypto, maybe know a lot about crypto, but that's quite interesting. I think that's uh, that's something to think about for sure, that there already is real world changes happening. Yeah, definitely. I, I like the, the term you used philosophy. And maybe we'll end this segment here. Um, call this an episode. And then we'll do another one soon on some of the other things we discussed at the beginning. But maybe to wrap this one. Yeah, to the way I think about cryptocurrency and blockchain is, is it's, it's a technology, but it's also a philosophy. Mm. It's a way of thinking. It's a way of thinking that challenges a lot of our current methods of organizing and designing and working. And I think that's really awesome. I, I, I think there's a lot of value there and it's very disruptive. Like it, it's disrupting certain industries already, like the GPU and computer industry it's going to disrupt and it already is disrupting the financial industry. But I think there's many more. I said this at the very beginning of creating this podcast is I think it's, it's like as power, it's as powerful as the internet, in my opinion, in terms of the disruption it's going to cause. And so I, I hope that this podcast helps inspire people to talk about this in a philosophical sense. And it's because, you know, it's one thing to talk about it as a technology, but as we just discussed in this episode, I also hope people talk about it as a, from a philosophy, uh, a philosophy standpoint of like, what does it mean to have these new systems and structures? And what does it mean to believe these things that innovation comes through an act of rapid testing and humility and not these long term benchmark goals like it, it's it's a different way of thinking and modeling and, and it's very much it very much comes from the software industry but i think it could be it needs to be spread and applied to other places um because it's still kind of it's still quite limited to maybe the software and for me i'm like oh we need to we need to get the word out and spread this because it's a really great way of thinking and living so maybe to make this super meta <laughs> we also talked about feedback i hope that we get a lot of feedback on this episode. This one was a little bit different. It was more philosophy, philosophy than it was technology. And I'm curious to know what people's thoughts on that are. 
and whether or not, that will probably dictate whether or not we do this again because um, because there's lots more to talk about philosophy and and ideas and other concepts anyway yeah big time okay well we'll end it here thank you spencer thanks and for having me on again chris yeah no problem i'm enjoying things i'm still learning lots <laughs> that's good i love to hear it thanks for listening to Cryptalk. You can find more episodes at www.cryptalkpodcast.com. A reminder that this podcast is run by donation. You can find donation options on our site. We accept PayPal, e-transfer, and crypto, of course. We love to hear from our listeners, so feel free to send us an email at cryptalk.podcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks for tuning in to our show.